0: Yeah, the idea was, you know, after after like me being a woodworker, knowing that in, in, in fishing, knowing that bamboo was a very labor intensive process. Not to say that we couldn't learn how to do it, um, but it would be like, do I really want to spend, you know, many hours and hours and hours making one and then try to sell that one and then make them, you know, make them more and, and take take a while to, to do that. And people do it and, and they're great at it and, and their, their works of art. But I said, you know, let's try to something a little bit more my level for now that I know how to do somewhat.
1: I'm Hunter Jordan. I'm Colin Blaylock. And welcome to the Great Lakes Experience. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 35. I have with me two very cool guys from right here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, the co-owners and operators of Hexfly Co. Um, They make some pretty awesome nets with a coated um steel hoop instead of your traditional wood or poly or plastic hoops um they're really incredible um so first of all i'm going to ask you guys what is you guys can each answer separately what's the greatest piece of advice you guys have ever received
0: hey hunter thanks for uh inviting us on excited to be here greatest piece of advice ever received fishing related or just in general
1: um either either or
0: I would say let's stick with fishing. I'm gonna say for being a fly fishing brand gotta get that dead uh, that dead drift you know gotta get that uh, fly and that dead drift um, probably the best you know it's a lot of when you learn fly fishing it's it's um a lot of trial and error and you think you know and then you know someone kind of sparks a little bit of nuggets on you and that dead that that uh, that, uh, that drift man it's all about the drift. Yes.
1: And what about, what about you, Nick?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's, something, it's something I say all the time, which is the, the best piece of advice I've gotten is from I don't even know if someone was, like said it to me, but it's like, don't assume that you know everything. And I think that applies to everything besides fishing, but it was told to me about fishing. You know, don't assume that like you know everything about like again like in the context of fly fishing like don't assume you know everything about fly fishing you're always going to learn new stuff you're always going to learn new tricks and that i mean i guess it goes for life too right
1: yeah 100 percent yeah so i i kind of i'm so excited to do this episode i jumped way ahead um nick and brandon is your guys name sorry about that i totally just blew past that whole part but um so give us kind of a rundown on you guys where you're from how you got into the outdoors um fishing fly fishing um give us give us kind of a rundown on who you guys are and where you come from and where you're at now
0: yeah so i'll kind of give give uh, my side i'm brandon actually so nick and i are cousins um where we've been, we've grown up together essentially as kind of, you know, as cousins, but I would say kind of like a brother as well, um, where we're, you know, constantly, st- our families are constantly with each other and you know, especially growing up. And so we learned fishing together, um, but we're both originally from from Southeast Michigan area. And we'd go, my, my, our grandparents had a uh, place in Oscoda, Michigan on a lake um, where we learned, you know, kind of your traditional fishing with worms and bobbers for, you know, for panfish, bluegills, and eventually bass. And that led us, given, and that was somewhat, um, you know, the, on the closer to the Huron side, it was close to the Asobel River. Um, so we learned, you know, fish, river fishing there. And I think it started as a smallmouth, but then just knowing that the river's history and kind of fame eventually got into um, fly fishing, and it kind of just kind of spiraled from there, where you know we're now we now we own a, a fly fishing brand and business. Um, but yeah, we've been we've been you know fishing our whole lives, and kind of started started there at our grandparents' cottage up north, and it's kind of expanded, you know, from you know like I said, bobbers and worms to spin and bait casting in local you know ponds and and lakes, and then um, eventually uh, fly fishing, and that's kind of. I think what Nick and I both primarily do now is is fly fishing. Well, I'll sometimes break out the spin rod, um but but it's been fly fishing for for a while now.
1: Yeah,
2: awesome. What about you Nick? Yeah, I mean like Brandon said, you know, we're cousins and kind of grew up, you know, in a way learning the ropes of fishing uh together in a like in a way. And then for me, it was probably, I was probably like early 20s. I picked up a fly rod. I mean, I'd been fly fishing before that with my dad, but like, I I would say like 20, I actually like got into it. And then from that moment, I caught my first trout, took my first trip to the holy waters with my dad, because we went to all these other places catching bass and bluegill And then first trip to the holy waters caught my first brook trout on a fly. And from that moment on, it was a hundred percent fly fishing a hundred percent of the time. I don't think I've touched a bait caster spin rod since it's just been all fly fishing all the time. (laughs) And, and then from there, like I just fell in love with it. I kept, you know, kept going, we started going as much as I could. And at one point I got so into it. I, I reached out to Brandon and I, who I knew did like woodworking. And I said, like, how easy is it to work with bamboo? Is it hard? I was like, is bamboo hard to work with? Cause I thought I was going to make bamboo fly rods <laughs> like by myself. And Brandon goes, I don't know, but what did you think about making landing nets? And I was like, well, I mean, like I never thought of that. So from there on, we just kind of started brainstorming and fell into doing hex together.
1: That's sweet. That's a those that's an incredible like culmination of how that company started. That's really I think it's funny. I feel like that's how everybody gets into fly fishing is they went a couple of times with their dad or their grandpa or whoever, when they were younger. And then a couple years down the road, they picked it up back up again. And from everyone I've talked to, it's always that first trout. Once you catch that first trout, it's game over. You're sucked in for the rest of eternity.
0: For sure. Yeah, definitely. So
2: that's Yeah. The first trout is, I mean, because that's what like that's what fly fishing is is like that's what it was built around, right? Was well, any trout fishing. And it,
0: I think it's so easy to just you know pick up at least at least where we were kind of you know southeast Michigan, you know, being Metro Detroit area, it was easy. You know, we had we had ponds and lakes all around us. You know, you didn't really have any real trout water, and so you're you're constantly catching largemouth, smallmouth, you know, panfish, and you're like. I don't want to say it gets boring, but like you do it for Sun Pike, and, and you know, and for so long, it, it just it's like, well, let's try something new, and you and you know, and then it's like, wow, this is challenging trying to catch trout on a river with mm. a fly rod. Um, so it's like a new, it's a, just a new kind of it sparks your interest again, you know. Like yeah. I'll never get bored of of you know any type of of uh, warm water fishing, but um, when you go from warm water your whole life, and then and then try you know trout trout fishing, it's like. I kind of already mastered, I don't want to say master, but I, I, you know, learned as much as I probably could from warm water fishing. I've done it enough. Let's try something new. And then it piques your interest and it's a new challenge and you kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, bro, I grew up on the East side of Michigan up towards the thumb. I don't know if you guys know where like the Lapeer area is. So like, that's, that's where I'm from growing up over there. I really thought the only places you could catch trout were like, the Ossobel end up by like Mayo and those places up north. And then moving over here to the the West side, it was like, I was like, wow, there's like, there's trout streams everywhere over here. And like Mm -hmm. a lot of them are honestly pretty decent. Like I don't want to like blow everything up, but like (laughs) it's, it was pretty incredible. And then, so do you guys mainly, do you guys like to fish? You guys like to fish dry flies more or like streamers or nymphs?
0: I'm, I'm more of a, um, nymph guy i I will dry like you know obviously with with hex fly co being the namesake you know we've we've done hex camps and you know obviously fishing big dries and during the day kind of switching it up but i'm more definitely would rather do subsurface fishing whether that be nymphs and getting more into streamers nick's more a dry fly guy you can tell you
2: yeah i i am like for for lack of a better term i'm the dryer die guy (laughs) I, i don't it's I don't care if it's mid-October I'll throw a blue wing on and hope for the best I mean like it's it's why I got into it it's why I like fly fishing you know just the the surface hits like that's what that's what it's all
1: about for me so it's dry or die all the time <laughs> all the time yeah that's – it's funny because when I – so, like, I, I've only been fly fishing for a little over three years now. Um, but I first started, like, right when the state shut down. So, I had nothing but time. I stood in the lawn because I actually was in an apartment over here, still in school. I went home, and I was home for probably three or four weeks. And every day I just went out in the lawn and just casted. So, like, I got pretty decent – pretty quick because I mean that's all I did I didn't have anything else to do I didn't have to worry about school school was closed I didn't have to worry about work shop was closed so I was just at home casting in the yard and then I'd go to the there's we had a little local private lake only one lady lived on it and the bluegills there were just monstrous so I would just go there and that's kind of where I, I cut my teeth and then I came back and fall rolled around and I was ready to go catch trout and it was like October and I was like well, I was like what kind of I was like what kind of bugs are going off he's like there's not really very many bugs like it's October he's like caddis flies and stuff like that so but like first getting into the whole world of fly fishing like all you see is dry fly stuff whether it's on TV or YouTube or right. books and stuff magazines like you you An outsider looking in doesn't see guys throw streamers or nymphs or stuff like that. So I was like, he showed me a streamer and it was like a little articulated like rattlesnake or something. I was like, dude, ain't no way trout's eating that. Like they only eat like bugs. (laughs) And I went out and I chucked that streamer around and I crushed them. I was blown away. It was incredible. The way they just destroy it. Like they're just furious. It, that was, that was it for me. I, pretty much throw streamers all year long and i just i can't get enough of it
0: nice nice throw that meat
1: yes that's it we've (laughs) kind of got it's like we've got the perfect we've got the perfect triangle here nymphs drives and streamers
0: yeah that's right that's right yeah
1: so let's talk a little bit about hexfly co what so what what year did you guys get started on this endeavor
0: we, we started um, mid-late 2020. Um, I, I, we were kicking around the idea in the name, obviously, before that. We launched the net. And I think we technically launched the business in, in like, the Instagram in maybe early to mid-2020 um, with the idea coming, like, slightly before that and the name and, the, and, you know, kind of the discussions and the strategy. And then we launched our nets in, I think it was June or June. July. July, because yeah, yeah, it was
2: after <laughs> we launched them after. Uh, it was like 4th of July. After, was after like... we went up for hacks, we launched them.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Right. So, I mean, obviously, Nick, you said you wanted to build bamboo rods, and then Brandon, you said, no, how about we do nets? So did you guys immediately, when you had the idea for nets, did you know you wanted to put that steel hoop on it, or did that come through? Yeah, so the – a little the, little the idea, lighter.
0: yeah, the idea was, you know, after after like me being a woodworker, knowing that and in, in, in fishing, knowing that bamboo was a very labor intensive process. Not to say that we couldn't learn how to do it, um, but it would be like, do I really want to spend, you know, many hours and hours and hours making one, and then try to sell that one, and then make them, you know, make them more, and and take take a while to to do that. And people do it, and, and they're great at it and their, their works of art. But I said, you know, let's try to something a little bit more my level for now that I know how to do somewhat. And then we got to brainstorming and said, you know, like we got the, the normal, you know, 20, $30 Walmart special, you know, all wood with the rubber bag nets. And, and, and I'm like, Nick, you know, I, I don't like this. I've had them like, just by being in, in the water or like by water or just having it over time, you know, the, the laminations of the hoop to the handle, split on me. And then Nick said tells a story of how he had, you know, he had them crack on, you know, he accidentally stepped on it trying to land on a fish, land a fish and the hoop cracked. And and you know, then we just hear these stories of like people like, yeah, those things don't last. Um, you know, so so and then, you know, we looked obviously we knew like fish ponds on the market and in kind of the risings, your normal aluminum nets. And we said, we really like that wood feel, or at least I did. You know, it's kind of the OG, kind of the, you think of traditional fly fishing, you think of wooden nets. And I said, well, how do we make the hoop stronger so it doesn't break on us? And then it got us to looking at different materials, and we ultimately landed at, on spring steel. Um, you know, what you can, you know, drop it, slam it in your car, chuck it around, and it's not going to break on you. And then if it does, if, you know, God forbid, you know, the handle breaks or, you know, a hoop break, we have a lifetime warranty on it, so we'll replace it. And that was kind of the idea is, you know, we didn't want to get someone set up in a net, you know, that wanted to go with quality or even just any net starting out. And they purchase it and then it cracks on them or it splits on them. And then they're kind of like SOL, like the Walmart special all wood nets, you know. Um, so we wanted to get, get our customers backs to, you know, in case, in case something were to happen, we'd cover them. But yeah, that was the ultimate goal was durability with that wooden handle, which is kind of, again, like I said, the OG of fly fishing nets is that traditional wood handle.
1: Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That's it. When, cause uh, Nate at the shop, he told me, he's like, these guys got these nets They're He's like, they're from in town. he's like, it's like they've got a they've got a spring steel hoop, and when I first heard it, I was like, "Like what?" <laughs> and like like when you first hear it, you're like, "Well, it's a little different." But then, like when you see them and you get to feel them, like it's it was like I was talking to you a little bit earlier, and like you said, um, like your really only like small complaint that you've been getting is that they're a little heavier, but realistically feeling them they're not much heavier than especially like once you get up into your like your big boat landing nets like the longer ones like those are not any heavier than like an ego net that's extendable or even a fish pond net they're not that much heavier, and i think that's what's sweet and uh what's
0: what's cool is is you know looking at um the the only ones that are that are a little bit heavier than kind of the average length is the reach excel and the mariner given it's a big but a deeper bag and used for you know the idea with those nets were for steelhead. Um, we 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 use a thicker steel than the rest of the nets, so that's a little bit heavier. And right now we're we're looking at how to redesign that to to go thin up the steel a little bit and maybe do a different rubberized bag, like a rubber coated nylon. But anyway, the 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 solo, which is our smallest one, is is you know just like an ounce or two heavier than the comparable fish pond, which is you know the carbon fiber. And then yeah. our reach, which is kind of our our main, our main bread and butter net, is like the same weight as any any aluminum like rising, the same, same weight as as the comparable sized rising net. So you know we do get that, you know, these seem heavy and I think it maybe because it's a steel, it's a spring steel hoop, it might be a little bit front loaded heavy with a rubber bag. Um, but, but ultimately the overall weight, like if you're carrying it on your back all day, you know, fly fishing, it's no more than, than kind of what's out there already.
1: Yeah. You're not going to notice the the biggest difference. I think it'd be interesting if you just handed somebody the net without telling them that it is a spring steel hoop to see if they have any recollection or notice. It's,
0: it's, it's funny. You mentioned that Nick and I were at the Michigan fly or the Midwest fly fishing expo, which is in Southeast Michigan this past year. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we had to stand there and everyone like, look, you know, you look at the net and it's like a cool looking net, right? Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't look what's like what else is on the market. You know, it's got a black hoop and a black bag with a wooden handle and, and people are like, wow, that's really cool. And then they, they pick it up and they like touch the hoop and they're like, whoa, this, you know, this flexes. And that's, so it's kind of like, a, you know, people don't notice that until they actually pick it up. And so Nick and I were kind of joking. If if no one read, like, the product description on the website, they just came to our website, they saw the net, or they saw it on Instagram, and they're like, we really like this net, the way it looks, and they don't read the product description. I wonder how many were surprised that, to know that it flexes, too. Yeah. You know, that they didn't yeah, a lot of, that.
2: A lot of people, like, when we've gone to expos and, you know, things in person, like, a lot of people don't realize it's spring steel, And when you tell them, they're like, oh, that's really cool. And it's like... You know, a, a lot of people, I think, see the look of it first, like the design and how it's like a sleek design. And they're like, oh, this looks cool. And then like, they kind of figure out as they, you know, handle it, like you figure out more of like the materials that go into it. And, you know, the big question people always ask me when they first pick it up is they go, oh, is this some sort of plastic? Because, you know, with the coating and everything, I, I, a lot lot. I don't think a lot of people realize it's spring steel until like Brandon said, until they start reading about the product or the descriptions, or if it's at an expo, we tell them like, and then it's like, Oh, like I didn't know. And so I think that, I think that's good in a way. Cause like it shows that obviously the weight's not too much of an issue. I mean, because obvi- the weight's been the trade off that we've kind of dealt with where we're trading, lightweight for a more durable product and obviously it's not that much different if people can't tell that it's a metal hoop
1: (laughs) yeah 100 percent. so kind of when was your guys's like like your aha moment like oh this is sweet like we've got something good cooking here
0: well i think we we originally you know we, we liked the design and then we actually, um, we, we, when we launched it, we had it with clear bags and black bags thinking that, you know, you have the clear bag for, you know, it's, people don't think that it doesn't spook the fish. I, I tend to think if it's, you know, the hoops, not transparent. So, uh, you know, a hoop <laughs> coming at, at you at a fish, they're going to get scared anyway. Anyway, yeah. um, when you really look at the black on black, I mean, it looks sharp and I think, that was like the first aha moment. And then like all the sales went to the black bag. So we've, we've essentially discontinued clear bags. Now, if, if, if like a, if a um, fly shop wants clear bags, we can, we can still do it. Um, but then, then the next thing is we got, we got, um, you know, to thinking, how can we add more to the handle? Cause originally it was just, it was blank. And we got some tips um, from people in the industry to like on, on the shape that we kind of tweaked a little bit. And then, then Nick and I were like, well, why don't we just put like a hex grip on it? Like, I think that would be cool. Um, you know, car, carve it right in. And so I think the hex grip adds a little bit more. Now it's more show than actually, you know, function, but it does, you know, if, if you got fish slime on you, on your hands, um, you know, afterwards it's not, you know, you know, you still got that kind of durability within the within the hex carved in the wood um, or your hands are wet or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it just, after after we we changed the design a little bit of the handle, we carved in the hex and the black on black, and then we have these like, oh, and, ori- and another thing, originally the bolts that we used on the side were, were just traditional stainless steel, kind of <laughs> small with a washer, and like it kind of looked like uh, coming right out of your garage. And then we're like, well, there's gotta be something better. So we, we, you know, we saw furniture bolts, which are very low profile black, um, and so it's really sleek. And once we changed all those things up and it was quickly after we launched, you know, we, we, we got some feedback and then we said, well, let's, how can we make this better? You know, as, as people started purchasing. Um, and yeah, I think after we, we made those changes, it, it just kind of like, like, wow, this is a really cool product.
1: It, it, that thing looks so sweet. The black hoop and the, the black net, it, it's when, when you see him. In person, it's just like, man, this thing is sharp. Um, so, like, obviously, you're in a couple of retail stores now, like, her, no, I wouldn't really say like retail stores, but fly shops per se. Like, you're in DNR Sports now. You're, I saw, I was checking out your website. You guys are in a shop in Colorado, a mm-hmm. uh, west, I think. Colorado. Oh,
0: we're in, we're in a Utah, yeah, Utah, you
1: know.
0: Utah. Utah, yeah, Utah, yeah, we're in Georgia ohio right. or pennsylvania pennsylvania
2: and then a couple and in uh, michigan in michigan
0: like, yeah, southern, like we have like what three or four in michigan we're yeah, in um Utah, three or four in um, michigan yeah. And, then, yeah and then we actually just got we just got european distribution too so we just um yeah we just shipped some nets over to europe so if you're
1: if that you're from is europe listening to
0: this yeah, yeah yeah you can you can get them there too
1: that is awesome so how does it how did it feel when you got a call or you reached out to somebody way far out west or even Europe and they're like yeah we'll we'll try and we, like what is it like I mean, seeing your product go from small portage michigan to salt lake city or wherever in utah You know, it
0: obviously, it's very humbling for sure. You know, something that you create that's, you know, getting, I mean, even just people buying it online, like it's just, it's, it's really, you know, you know, they say you build it, they'll come, but like, you know, you know, obviously it's slow in the beginning and you you do your marketing efforts and when you start to get those purchases and, and they start coming in, I mean, it, it really is humbling that, that people like it and we get the feedback that we get. Um, and then you know honestly it's the fly fishing community that's that's helped us kind of spread the word of our nets um and got us into a lot of shops and helped us you know broker introductions to people so you know it's not just us it's the whole community effort um people like our nets and it's kind of a word of mouth kind of grassroots type of type of stuff so you know we're we're forever thankful for everyone that's that's helped along the way you know and we're just looking to you know keep growing for sure
2: yeah I mean we wouldn't we wouldn't be in a lot of places if it wasn't for the community, honestly. Yeah. You know? um, Yeah, we really, we really wouldn't. So.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really the fly fishing community industry, however you want to, you want to put it is it's, it's such a cool, intricate thing to me because you do have like the, the small divisions, like the dry fly guys versus the streamers versus the nymph guys, like they're each their own small community. But at the end of the day, they always are together. You you guys, everybody all cares about one thing and that's having a good time and catching fish. And I think that's probably the coolest thing about what I've gotten into is guys aren't, most guys aren't shy to like share information or help other people out, even if you don't know them. I mean, it's, it's one of the coolest things about it to me. Yeah. It's a, I
2: mean, it's a tight knit group, you know, like the whole community is pretty tight knit. I mean, obviously you, you have your gatekeepers with everything, you know, that, that don't want to tell you anything, don't want to help you out. But I mean, you know, I, I think we're all, everyone who's in the industry obviously is trying to grow the sport and, uh i I think we kind of have to get away from that gatekeeper mentality and i and i think recently a lot of people have you know and frankly like in my experience it's the the older generation that doesn't really have that attitude uh it's more like the gatekeeping comes from a lot of like younger people which i don't get but Mm -hmm. you know i i think like i said like trying to grow the if you're trying to grow the sport, like we don't, you don't want to have that attitude. And a lot of people don't like you said. So like, you know, it's like, it's, it's a very tight knit niche, you know, group of people.
0: So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I love it. <laughs> get, get, I mean, getting into like, what's, what's really cool about this community is, you know, our first fly chef that we got into was in Dexter, Michigan, um, uh, painted trout, um, fly shop, um, meal over there, reached out to us on Instagram. Like he's seen our nets. He he followed us and he, and he just, and he reached out and he said, you know, do you guys sell wholesale? And at that time, you know, we were kicking around the idea and, you know, should we do it or should we just stick to retail? And we're like, let's, you know, let's venture in the, in the wholesale. And, you know, we kind of strung together a price list and sent it to him. And he just like bought all kinds of stuff. Like we have also, you know, we have fly tins and stickers. And so he just bought like, I don't know, was it 10 nets with some stickers and fly tins and stuff? It was sight unseen, right? Like a new player in the industry, sight unseen. I mean, it's just, taking a risk somewhat to, you know, to be honest, not knowing us or not really knowing or seeing the product in person and just taking that risk and buying. And so it's, you know, obviously, you know, people like that, you know, that take those risks, you know, really help us out. And, you know, we try to give back as much as we can, but it's just, you know, we get a lot of people saying, you know, some fly shops will say, well, you know, we don't really, we'd like to see your net and, you know, is there a sample you can send? And, um, but most have been, you know, very, very, um, you know, generous with, with kind of, you know, their businesses and, and, you know, helping us out too. So it's been yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's incredible to see. Like, I'm, I'm very pumped to watch your guys stuff grow because I really do 100% think that you guys are, you guys are going to be a big competitor against fish pond and those other big net companies because i mean is there i don't know of any is there another net company that has steel hoops not not that i know of not not
0: not using spring steel for sure yeah
1: you know i think the only
0: metal is really the aluminum tube Mm -hmm. yeah
1: now is that something you guys are i mean you don't have to share this information but is that something you guys are working to like patent or anything like that trademark or
0: um uh, we we've explored we've explored that we were we were patent pending status but we're looking to more what's i don't know if it's copyright or trademark nickel. trademark I yeah i think is what we're more
2: leaning towards um yeah i mean we've we've explored all of the avenues and kind of you know trying to figure out the the best route for us and where we're at you know um But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we thought about from day one because of the fact that, like, there's not other people doing it. Like, as far as we know, there's no one else trying to use this type of material with wood handles. And, you know, we felt like we were unique enough in that realm that, you know, we from pretty early on, we started exploring our options with patents and and stuff like that. And, uh, we were patent pending for a while and I think, you know, there'll be more on that sooner. Hopefully. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sweet. So I've got a couple minutes left in this session cause we're on zoom here. So I'm going to end this one. We're going to cut to a little commercial break for our ads. And then we'll hop right into it. After that, we're going to start talking about fishing in the the Great Lakes region. All right, we're back. Um, So now, like I said, you've, you've got Nick and Brandon's backstory, um, HexFlyCo's introduction. um, So now we're kind of just going to talk about what it's like um, growing up in the Great Lakes state and fishing around here, and I mean, are you guys into, like, hunting or anything like that? Yeah, I
2: hunt. Yeah. Duck hunting mostly.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I found that's a big correlation between fly fishing and waterfowl hunting. I don't know what it is but it seems like most guys i talk to if they fly fish they usually duck hunt too
2: yeah an upland
1: hunt too yeah mm-hmm. i like, think it's because you find a lot of, especially once you go up north you find a lot of those those two things are kind of in the same area whether you're in Mayo and the huron manistee national forest and stuff like there's tons of grouse and stuff up there so i think that's probably part of the reason for that because you can you can knock out two trips in one almost you know what i mean
2: right yeah especially in the fall you know you can mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about with like our our brothers are both you know hunters and fishermen too and we always talk about setting up like a, a cast and blast in the fall
1: that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an incredible name for that that's perfect <laughs> so but we haven't guys, done it yet but we've talked about it oh you got to get that in the works that's a great <laughs> name for that <laughs> so you guys grew up you said in southeast michigan obviously there's not a lot of trout opportunities on the east side i think i know of two maybe three trout streams over there and i've hit them both over christmas break when i went <laughs> home one time and they're piss poor to say the least i knew it was going to be a tough day when i showed up and i saw three other cars with fly fishing stickers plastered all over the vehicles so i was (laughs) like oh great this will be a great start it was like a monday morning at eight o'clock and i was like wow yeah (laughs) so you guys you guys said you had like a family cottage up in like Oscoda.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we learned I, my grandparents or our grandparents had that um learned to fish there. Um you know they they've sold it, you know, a while ago, but um really, you know, we bit the bit the bug to to fishing there for sure. And just being close to the Sobol, you know, it's it's you know, learning the river fish which is different than lake fishing, you know, even with bobbers and and worms. Big time. Um, but yeah, but but yeah, I mean it's been fishing you know whenever wherever I go if it's vacation in Florida I always try to bring a fly rod or or you know a spin cast at, you know for like um showing you know beach fishing or whatever but um I mean every everywhere everything I just try to fish as much as I can for sure and yeah. you know, the great being part of the great lakes you know it's just I think we have a blessing just being here with all the opportunities that we have with warm water and cold water species
1: yeah I think that's probably in fishing aspects, that's probably my favorite part about being in the Great Lakes region is you can do you can do salmon, you can do steelhead, you can do trout like Browns and Brooks, you can do smallmouth, largemouth. Um have either of you guys done any carp fishing? You ever did carp on the fly? I ha- like
2: I haven't and like you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people. I mean uh you know I a lot of people love it and I haven't done it yet. It, but people who do it seem to like
1: fall in love with it. It is incredible. It's, it sounds, I know, I can see the look on your face. It sounds crazy when you hear somebody like, You want to go fly fish for carp? And at first, you're do just you, like, What
0: do you do it on the Kalamazoo?
1: Um, I've done it on the Kalamazoo. Another good one is the St. Joe. Okay. That's, that's one of my favorite spots. Um,
0: like in the on the main stem or like a, a trip.
1: Um, actually up right above the three rivers dam okay. is, where, okay. is where I've done it there. There's tons of slick still water. Um, and I mean, that's just loaded with them and it's, it's, I was talking to, I actually did just recording an episode with John Lee last night and, uh, he, like gave the perfect analogy he's like it's everything i love about fishing because it feels like you're hunting because you're constantly scanning and looking stocking
0: yeah
1: yeah and you're side casting and those fish are so skittish everything has to line up perfectly and it it's it's really it's super tricky i was, was like i was just talking to him yesterday i was like it's one of the most frustrating things but at the same time it is the most fun you will ever have even if you just try it once and you're done with it, I guarantee I can almost promise you'll have a blast with it
0: you, yeah. do you know the youtube do you know the YouTube channel Geezer Bassin? No, I'm not familiar with that one it's it's uh, I think it's geezer Bassin. um he's he's he fishes I don't know him personally, but he fishes in like the Kalamazoo River and down by Comstock and stuff and he had one video one year where the kalamazoo flooded in the spring. And in um I forget which park it was, but like the water was all the way up to the parking lot and and at the end of his video just showed like twenty carp just swimming like in the grass because the water was so high, yeah, so yeah, that was that's where where it gets me like that'd be like a per I don't know if that'd be perfect, but you know they're there
2: yeah. yeah, the one thing the one thing I always hear about, and like so uh Neil at motor city angler, who's like the fly shop that I'm always around, he. Always tells me about they go in the Great Lakes like flats fishing for carp, mm-hmm. and I've I've heard like even outside of him like I've heard a lot of people talk about how like flats fishing in the Great Lakes for carp is like the closest you get to like yeah and smallmouth, but like carp specifically is like the closest you can get to like bonefish fly fishing and like the Great Lakes region
1: yeah it's like saltwater 2.0 up here yeah and <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's the best way i, I explain think it.
2: if i like when i decide i want to fish for carp for the first time i think that's the way i want to do it just like stalking them in the flats i'm like huron or lake michigan or whatever and like that just seems that just seems fun i mean you know open water but like
0: yeah that's you know, a bucket list for sure. Yeah.
1: I've heard I've heard one of the best places to do it is up by up by Traverse because they're giant up there and that water is yeah. super clear and they do have yeah, right, big right. sand flats where those carp just cruise around.
0: Right. Yeah. Aren't the islands to like Beaver Island? Beaver areas? Island. Beaver yeah. Island's supposed to
2: I'm think carp too, but like it's huge for smallmouth, for flats, yeah. I think for smallmouth. I
0: know no, beaver island's huge for that. I'm assuming carp call- too. Did did you call it uh, Salt Two Yeah, yeah. Is that what you call it? What What do you think about the debate, of Steelhead? You know, no salt, no steel. <laughs> you hear that?
1: One? <laughs> um. So personally, I I don't do a ton of salmon or steelhead fishing. It's just it's it's not really my gig. I think the crowd's too big for it, especially yeah. if you want to. And plus, it's it kind of goes to the whole streamer fishing thing. I I don't. No, Unless I yeah. could – and now if Steelhead could eat – if Steelhead would eat a streamer like Browns do, I'd be game over. I'd be every day. <laughs> yeah. But um it's funny you say that. I, I fished with with John um a couple weeks ago now, but I was talking to him about it, and he's been to like Alaska and all these places, and he 100% is on that team, no salt, no steel, because he said – He's like it's you're fighting a totally different fish. He said you wouldn't wow. even think they're the same fish. Wow. So I mean, it was it was I was kind of blown away. He said same thing with king salmon is that you it's they're not even comparable. Wow, interesting. And I don't know if it has something to do with. I, I really don't know what it what the main difference would be, because. I mean, realistically, you think about it, the only difference is the salt, really. I don't know if it's because there's more current ripping through the ocean all the time. That would be one of the guesses. Yeah,
2: that's true. I know there's a there's a meat eater article about it and like they go in depth of into like biology. Yeah, biology and stuff like that. And I think Mm
1: -hmm. there is like a biological difference. Uh, See, I was actually I was going to bring that up. That's the craziest part is I took last last year, my last semester of school, I took a biology class. And uh, one of the articles that we had to read for one of our our quizzes that we did was the genetic difference between California steelhead and Lake Michigan steelhead. mm -hmm. Genetically, they are the exact same. The it's um, the only difference is their osmoregulation of the salt water like the salinity which is basically just if if they're in if they're in the salt water they just release they just secrete more water out of their system basically they just urinate more than hmm. a lake michigan fish to help regulate the amount of salt in their body you know, it, it, it blew me away because you would think is it was just crazy to think about that they're exactly the same genetically yeah which is weird to me
0: yeah i like your current your current theory that could be you know they build up more muscle going through the ocean currents
1: Uh, that would be the only all the riptides that run through the ocean that would be the only thing that would make sense to me is why those fish fight harder is because they're just stronger and they're built up more for it they actually Mm -hmm.
2: have predators in the ocean too
1: exactly yeah, yeah that's
2: true yeah like you know, they go to the great lakes like what's yeah. eating them yeah nothing. yeah not, once you get to uh, adult yeah they're not yeah like once, once
1: you get to yeah exactly so and i then, think that was an immediate article too about so i would i would kind of compare it almost to like lake smallmouth versus river smallmouth
2: mm.
1: you know what i'm yeah. saying like yeah lake smallmouth yeah. are cool i will pick a river smallmouth any day because they will if a big one will oh yeah dog you for 10 minutes which is a blast
0: (laughs) it's fun yeah it's really fun
1: uh brandon have you have you done much fishing on the kalamazoo for smallmouth over here i
0: i have i i wade in god now i don't know where where i'm i'm thinking but like comstock area there's like a spot where i can wade in and and i usually just kind of wade in there i'd love to get get a drift boat and do that i have a kayak but there's you know it's been The water's just been, you know, crazy recently. So yeah, just haven't really gotten the kayak in, but, um, a drift boat would be cool or just any, any boat really would, would what I I think would help for sure.
1: Um, so now you, you're Nick, you're over on the East side currently. Yeah. Yes. So what was the name of the fly shop that you frequent the most over there?
2: So motor city angler is where I've frequented the most, um, now I'm I'm a little further east, like I'm around St. Clair Shores now, but I was around like the West Bloomfield area, which is where that's at. I mean it's relatively new. Um I wanna say I wanna say they launched like I wanna say they launched like December 2019. And so like they're like I know the first year for them was like the whole COVID year. year. So, uh, <laughs> that year to start a business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what we, I mean, we kind of did the same thing. So maybe, maybe it wasn't, you know, um, but yeah. So they're relatively new, but it's, it's a great little shop. And yeah, I mean, I, it's really because it was really the only one, it's the only one in that area, you know, yeah. like otherwise, if, if, Motor City wasn't there, you'd have to go to, you know, Schultz and Ypsilanti or, you know, the yeah. Orvis store in Birmingham. Like, you, you have the East Side, you have very limited options when it comes to fly shops right now. So, yeah,
0: you're yeah, pretty spread out.
2: I'm, yeah, I'm very, actually,
1: spread out. I'm, I'm really surprised to hear that you're not a Schultz guy because that fly shop is huge in terms of. They're following. I mean, there's dudes. I see. Yeah, I see dudes over here that come into our shop all the time wearing their their small jaw syndicate shirts, which are sweet, by the way. I think those are <laughs> insane. <laughs> um, it, it, but it's, and I think the minimal amount of those shops goes back to the there is no. There's not a ton of trout fisheries over there. Yeah, That's and the, right, and a lot of
2: them, like like Sh- I know Schultz does. Uh, And Motor City to the same degree, I would say. I mean, they they focus more on you know warm water fly fishing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah, know if the they focus I mean, more, but like it, you, you, know, you almost have to being over there. Yeah, I mean, you're over. You're
0: yeah, right. Painted Trails kind of the same way. Like you, yeah, they're right. They're they're on the Huron too. Right,
2: right, or and right, you know, right there. Motor City's not on any body of water but, but, like, but i think but you're in the area of of warm water and i think a lot of them it's it's focusing on small mouth you know because oh. you got to focus on
0: what's in the area right what they'll tell you though is like they do a good mix of yeah you have the warm water guys because that's just what's in the area and then you have the weekend warriors that go up north to trout fish. And so you have to have your dry flies and all that, you know, all your normal trout stuff there too. So mm-hmm. they get a little bit of both, um, but they get a lot of people that get stuff, you know, just Metro Detroit being so populated that they, you know, they want to go trout fishing too. So they yeah. get their gear and stuff at, you know, in, you know, these, these Metro Detroit fly shops and they go up North. And yeah. then they go talk to the up North fly shops of what's biting and they yeah. buy <laughs> flies there and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think it's, I think it's cool that, um, there are those shops though that do focus on warm water smallmouth stuff like that because i mean have you guys heard, have you heard of uh on youtube uh like Wildfly productions or blue line flyco yeah yeah,
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: so like those those dudes that's all, like um adam the guy who runs blue line i love watching their videos and stuff and he was talking about how down there where he was from in alabama he said there is no fly shops because it's, it's Alabama. They have smallmouth and spotted bass. Like that's all they've got. So he kind of, he talked about how he really started that company to kind of help other fly anglers that were in that area. And I think those guys are probably a huge proponent of smallmouth fly fishing. doesn't matter where it's at down South, up North here, or even wherever, because those guys are huge now.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, but I think it's.
0: I mean, I think that's how Schultz Schultz did the same, right? Like they, you know, they've been around a while, and and they focused really on smallmouth, and they got big. I mean, they're they're like you said, they're not just huge in Michigan; they're 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 huge across the country. They're they're known throughout the country. They're yeah, they're um, a you know, destination
1: yeah. fly shop now. Yeah,
0: yeah, for yeah. Sure. Alvin Dado
2: came up
1: to yeah. Schultz, I
2: think, and yeah. Up trip with them
1: yeah yeah it's it's sweet to me to see places like like because i mean you think as just like guys in michigan when you hear a fly shop you think of places up north like gates or yep. um or like the or a, yeah also north Grand. outfitters and it, it was crazy I, a buddy sent me an article of like the top like the number one fly shop in each state and Schultz was number one on that list. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, really?
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, Schultz is, yeah, Schultz is huge. And I, I think, you know, like, you know, they're close to where all the people are, right? Like yeah. Gates, Gates is middle of nowhere.
1: I was just up there he, la, yeah. last weekend.
2: Yeah. Like and Gates is, I would say the most well-known of the up north shops for sure. Mm-hmm. But again, like, Schultz has the, the, the advantage of like you're where you're where the people are. G- yeah. Gates isn't where all the people are all the time. And like, it, when you, if you're going to gates, like, you know what you're going to gates for. Where I feel like Schultz, you could like stumble into.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good explanation. Yeah. I think it's 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 always I love how every single fly shop you go to is like way different. Like you could go to like Gates, has a hole in the wall. Like the first time I stepped in there, I was like, "This is Gates." Like it's it's, it's tiny, very, very but, claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> dude. Especially if you go up the you go up the gate during hack season, and oh my uh, like, imagine. Like, you, i don't know how they fit so many people in that in that building <laughs> it's wild
1: but like I, then you get places like schultz or i don't know if you guys have been to uh, mad river outfitters in ohio but those those places are this, the i've never actually been to schultz so is it is it it's pretty big right it's
0: it, it doesn't look that big on the outside. Like they have like a green awning and it says Schultz Outfitters. Or like right after you go over like a, a little, I don't know. I think it's the Huron um, or if it's a little Trib. I think it's the Huron. Anyway, it's like two, it's like two green awnings, one like Schultz. Sign. Like you would think it'd be some, some big thing, but when you get inside, they have like three of this, like um, I forget exactly, but it's like three like buildings that they've kind of just expanded into three, like, um, like a kind of like a strip mall a little bit. Um, yeah. but yeah, they, they have like, it, it's pretty big inside. Um, you know, so it's, but it doesn't look, it doesn't look like that on the outside. Yeah. Um, that's Um, you how... if you're not looking for it, you could drive right by it.
1: Yeah. That's how, uh, the, have you guys ever heard of the Mad Rivers, Mad River Outfitters? Yeah. 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 So I've, um, that guy, he, I can't remember his name right offhand. He, uh, Brian, I think. Brian, yeah, Brian Flushing. He, that dude taught me how to fly fish on YouTube. YouTube, And uh, I always just watch videos, and he's like, hey guys, it's Brian from Mad River Outfitters. And I was just like, (laughs) I want to see that shop. Well, this summer, uh, me and my girlfriend, we took a trip to Hawking Hills, Ohio, and you go right past it. So I was like, on the way back, I was like, we're going to, we got to stop here. I was like, "I (laughs) I have to stop here. And, uh, it's the same thing as like you were saying about Schultz. It's literally in a strip mall and it just says in just like plain yellow letters, it just says Mad River Outfitters on the outside. And I was like, what, that's it? (laughs) And then you, you, you get up to the door and you can't even see through the glass doors because it's all stickers, which is sweet. Um, And then you open the doors and it's just, it just opens up into this huge badass fly shop. And then, Brian's just standing over at the counter and I was like no way like I kind of like got a little bit starstruck yeah, I was yeah. just like that's insane like that's the dude right there and I like talked to him for a sec and he's like where are you from I was like up at Kalamazoo and he's like he's like oh I said that's not bad he's like you fish the river I was like yeah I was like fish the river and I was like it's like dude I was like I have to give you a big big thanks like you taught me how to fly fish and he's like, <laughs> I was like hey man he's like I appreciate you watching the videos he's like keep fishing and I was like Okay, like I will. It was really cool. I feel
0: like it's like him and I forget the guy from uh, Red's, you know, Red's Fly Shop. Um, Yeah, He's out west. Yeah, he's, you know, just like those guys were like the OG of fly fishing how-tos and Tom Rosenbauer, obviously. But, yeah, it's like I learned a lot from YouTube as well from those guys.
1: Yeah, it was just really crazy. I had no clue that he was the dude who runs the shop. I thought he was just like. Well guy who hung out there and did videos No, <laughs> no. i like walked in he was just standing there i was like no way like that's sweet
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but um next i want to kind of talk to you. this will kind of probably close us out i think we're running out of time here again um but you guys did um you guys did a podcast with my friend ash uh loop to loop um and you guys talked about the the hex curse. So I kind of want you guys to talk a little bit about that and give, give us all a rundown on that.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, it kind of just stems from, it stems from hex fishing. Like, so for people who are listening that might not know what hex fishing is, uh, the hexagenium mayfly is the, the big ones that we get. And obviously if you live on like the East side around, you know lake saint Clair, your houses get covered with them and you know anyone who anyone who lives around lakes knows what i'm talking about that people hate them but as a fly fisherman it is as a fly fisherman in michigan it is the greatest time of the year and these these big bugs that only come out at night and the the catch over the the course
0: of like Three, four weeks. You know?
2: Yeah, not even, really. like yeah, right. It's not
0: even like... A good hatch is like a week or two. Yeah. Right,
2: right. So like... And then, I mean, I guess it spans out through a co- like two months if you chase it from like the yeah. PM all the way up to the UP. But it, yeah, the Catch the Curse stems from like... I mean, it encompasses all of fishing, but it really stemmed from... The first time I was like caught an actual hex hatch and just the overall different feel that you get from that experience when like from any other fishing experience I've ever had, like you can, you know, bass fish and do this and you get like a big bass to hit your fly or your streamer or even, you know, worms or whatever And even like trout hitting a dry fly and, you know, it makes a splash and it's, it's fun. But when you're out in pitch black and it's like midnight and all of a sudden you just hear splash after splash after splash of giant browns and it's just like constant and like you can't see anything, but like you're still fishing for these fish in the dark. And you're fishing all by with feel. sound. Like, it's, yeah. it's feel and sound. And like fishing using different senses other than like sight. It's just, it's a whole new experience.
0: And you got and, bugs like, flying all around you. And, and you don't,
2: it, like, and it's, because I I tell people all the time, like, until you catch those storybook hatches with, with like heck specifically, like you don't. You won't know what it's really all about.
1: Yeah. It's like no matter how many pictures or videos you see of what hatches look like, you will not know how incredible it is until you're there in person. And I've never, I've never seen like a crazy big hatch, but last, last spring I I was up, or was it two years ago? But I went up. Uh, I, I won a guided trip on the PM with uh, Baldwin Bait and Tackle, and we were floating in. It was like five or six o'clock, and there was like a decent little hatch of smaller bugs, like size 14s or whatever size. I'm not, I can't tell you what a size of bug is just by looking at it, but um, it was, it was, it's really, I can't, you can't even explain it. It's just wild to see all of the bugs flying around and stuff like that. And I've heard stories of you getting some like brown drakes and stuff like that, where it's just like, you can just hear the humming and you just see all the bugs and you feel them taken across your flyer out as you're casting. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. and until you kind of witness it, you don't really know what it's like.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's like any, any of like our big hatches are, that way and yeah so that's where like you know catching the curse really came from i mean obviously you know hex has like the double meaning of we all know like what a hex is in terms of like a you know if you want to witchcraft like, get cursed, witchcraft type stuff and yeah. so we kind of rolled with that and you know the hex hatch happens at night so it kind of like those two things we felt kind of messed together. And so we kind of rolled with this idea of like, you know, you you catch the bug basically of, and it doesn't have to be fly fishing related. It doesn't have to be, you know, hex hatch related, but it's, it's just that when you catch the bug of, in our case, fly fishing and you just, you, you get kind of put under its spell and you know, it's all you want to do sort of thing. And that's, I mean, the Hex, like, catching the Hex hatch, for like, for me, for the first time, the, the first time I caught it, it's just been, like, that's, I, I look forward, I mean, I think Brand's the same way, we look forward to that week, two weeks up north every year now. Like, it's even when, you know, Hendrickson's happen in May or April or whatever, and that's fun, but, like, I'm just focused on end of
1: June. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. Well, I think, I think we're just about out of time here. I think I've got a couple more minutes left, but um, I think I've kept you guys long enough. I've um, had a blast talking with you guys. Um, This is a super good episode Um, to close us out. um, Tell us what you guys have got going on. Any final thoughts or anything? I um, will let you guys kind of take the floor here for the last little bit. Uh tell us what HexFly's got going on, um what you guys are up to or what's in the works and drop your socials and stuff like that.
0: Yep. Yeah, so, um thanks Hunter. This has been this has been a blast. Enjoyed being on the on the podcast. Been been great. Um we've been, you know, I think we I mentioned it in, in one of the I don't know if I was talking to you or at the very beginning about redesigning some of the, the the bigger nets to try to lighten it up a little bit and and come out with a different bag for that. So that you can look out for that probably in the near future, as well as if you follow our Instagram, you can see our stories. We have, we have some kind of prototypes out there of different colored hoops that we're experimenting with. Um, that could be potentially in the future works as well. Um, but other than that, you know, it's kind of business as usual. It's trying to, you know, continue to serve the customer as best we can, um, you know, listen to feedback and, and kind of take that to heart and and really kind of drive this business. Um, otherwise, our, our social is, um, you know, HexflyCo. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, I think on Facebook, too. Just base, basically, it's just Instagram posts. But Instagram is, is kind of where we're at. And then hexfly.co is our website. You can check us out. And you know, go ahead, Nick.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of covered everything. I, uh, yeah. And just, you know, just keep trying to grow, <laughs> grow, right. Like that's kind of where we're at now. And yeah. I mean, the, the people that help us grow are, you know, the the fly fishing community and the people who, you know, the consumers really, you know, that's what we're here for. And, they're, they're the ones that help us grow. So that, I mean, that's what, that's what we're doing. And we're always looking for new ideas, you know, we're, we're always putting our heads together, trying to think of the things that, you know, when we go out fishing, what, what do we want? What do we think, you know, can help that's not being done. And, you know, so we're always trying to to push boundaries with, with products that you can use for fly fishing or i mean any sort of fishing really so yeah i mean be on the lookout because we're we're always trying to come up with something that's you know that's really going to push boundaries
1: heck yeah well again thank you guys so much for hopping on and chatting with me for a little bit um this was an episode i've been i've been waiting to do for a minute i've been pretty excited about this thanks for helping make it happen and taking some time out of your guys's nights to sit on and talk with some some kid who started some podcast
0: (laughs) oh for sure thanks hunter yeah Yeah,
1: for you guys listening um thanks for listening uh keep rating that podcast wherever you listen to it apple or spotify or wherever you stream this um check out our website um we're still running that sale um So share it with your friends, grab yourself a hat, grab yourself a hoodie, some stickers, whatever, slap a sticker on your car, Um, whatever you can do to help spread the word. Um, I love doing this. You guys listening and getting that kind of stuff really helps me keep doing it. So keep doing what you're doing and we'll catch you guys next week.